0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Donald Perkins begins a two-day look at Bible prophecy in heaven. As you and your family make plans for the summer, make sure you put one of our upcoming conferences on your calendar. August 11th and 12th, Bill Federer leads a lineup of speakers ready to bring clarity to the chaos in Colorado Springs. On Saturday, September 30th, will be a special one-day conference in Des Moines, Iowa, featuring Michael Hoggard, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, and Micah Van Huss. Our largest conference of the year will be a massive three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Over a dozen speakers, including our special keynote speaker, Jonathan Kahn. Registration for these conferences is now open. Call 1-800-652-1144 and reserve your seat. They're filling up quickly, so don't miss your opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn live in person. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. We want to see you at these upcoming conferences. Complete lineup of speakers, topics, and schedules are found at swrc.com and click on Events. Or just give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Donald Perkins, one of Watchmen on the Wall's favorite people, is here today, ready to share his insight from Scripture on heaven and prophecy. I'm blessed
1: to be joined over the phone by evangelist Donald Perkins. He has had a wonderful ministry for a number of years, and we are excited to have him on the Watchman on the Wall radio program. And brother Perkins, how long have you been serving in evangelism?
2: July will be 41 years of ministry, and again, it's to God's glory that we serve. You know, I, I love the call in my life, and uh, uh, it's been a privilege and an honor. To be able to serve in this capacity.
1: And you have a great website where people can get in touch with you. It's according to prophecy.org according the yep. number two prophecy.org and you've got a lot of wonderful resources on today's program. We're speaking specifically about one of your special DVD Bible teaching for a solid hour on Bible prophecy, God's order of events. Why should God's Word, the Bible, be our authority for what's coming in the future?
2: Well, one reason why it should be the final authority is because God, He started it all. I mean, uh, just like with the Genesis record, God gave us the beginning, and then He also has given us the end. So the Bible should be God's final authority when it comes to the future as well. I mean, everything that God has prophesied in the past that have come to pass, has a wonderful track record that we can trust going forward in the future. You know, whenever I hear anybody talk about future things, the first thing I do is go to the Word of God to make sure that what they're saying is lining up with the biblical record. You know, one of our colleagues, the late Dr. Chuck Missler, he said, we don't study prophecy because it's in the Bible. He said, we study the Bible because of the track record of its prophecy. In other words, the Bible has such a record of fulfilled prophecy that we can trust it, you know what I mean? People people say all the time, well, what about the Book of Mormon? What about the Quran? I mean, why do you think your Bible is the one that we should trust? Well, it has a wonderful track record that is impeccable in regards to fulfillment. So it should be the final authority that we judge anything we hear about regarding the future.
1: I agree with you completely on that. You know, some people start with the news and go back to the Bible, but I think we ought to do what you said, start with the Bible and then go forward from there. Why should we study Bible prophecy in particular? What's the importance of understanding Bible prophecy?
2: There are a number of reasons for understanding it. For one, we are commanded to study the word. If you study the Bible, you will study Bible prophecy. 30 to 33% of your Bible is prophetic in nature. So when you, uh, the Bible commands us to study, when you study, 33% of that is prophetic in nature, you know. There's so many reasons. Uh, Bible prophecy gives us the end of the story. Uh, it gives us a clear message of how God is going to uh, and how things will end up. You know, you have so many people out there with different weird ideas about about the future, and because they don't know what the Bible says about it, they have all these different false teachings or falsehoods. You know, we should study Bible prophecy because it gives us a clear message of the future. You know, God said that He's a God that reveals the future in advance. Uh, he said before he do it, he would he would let us know. So if you study Bible prophecy, Bible prophecy is going to tell you exactly what God is up to regarding our future. You know, now, Bible prophecy answers questions that no other study in the Bible does. You know, I'll give you some examples, like, what happens to the dead when they die? You know, the Bible is clear. For a Christian, uh, the scripture says we are absent from our bodies, but we are present with the Lord. For an unredeemed person... We go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, and you have the account of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man died, the Bible says, he was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. So this man, he died, an unsaved person, an unrepentant person. He went to hell because he wasn't, he wasn't a Christian, he wasn't saved. Not because he was rich, but because he wasn't saved. So Bible prophecy answers the question, what happens to a Christian when they die? Paul said, ask them about it, pray with the Lord. What happens to an unredeemed person the body, they immediately go go to hell or Hades is shield. So Bible prophecy answers those type of questions. What about Satan? You know, Bible prophecy answers the question about the devil as far as his sin. I've said on many interviews I was always taught growing up that the devil controlled hell. But you know, Bible prophecy cleared it up because we realized that hell was created by God. Find that in Matthew 25, 41. But it says that the devil will be cast into uh, the lake of fire, Revelation 20, verse number 10. So Bible prophecy, setting in time, gives us a clear understanding of the future as to what God is going to do with the unredeemed, what God's going to do with the lost, and then also even, even for Satan himself. And then one last thing, Bible prophecy shows us the eternal state. In other words, when we go into the new heavens and the new earth, the Bible gives us a clear message of how it's going to look. The Bible talks about tree of life is going to be there. It talks about the, uh, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven upon the new earth. Uh, it talks about a world without sorrow, sickness, death. You know, so studying Bible prophecy gives you clear understanding of what God has in store for us in regards to us.
1: And Brother Perkins, why do some churches shy away from teaching and preaching on Bible prophecy, especially future events Anywhere we go with our conferences, when we talk to people on the phone and through radio, they're saying their church is just absolutely silent on anything that has to do, especially with future events, end times events. Why do you think that there's a temptation among pastors, among churches, to pull back and to remain silent on these kinds of issues?
2: Well, a number of reasons. One, some pastors are very intimidated by the prophecy message. You know, some of them really don't have an appetite to study Bible prophecy. And I will say this, if you're going to teach Bible prophecy, you must be a student uh, of the Bible as well as a student of prophecy. So some pastors, they're intimidated by it. Some pastors just don't see the relevance of it. And again, I think a lot of times it's because they just don't know. You know, I travel all across the country and even internationally. uh, I teach in a lot of churches where one pastor told me, he said, Brother Perkins, he said, I really don't have an appetite to study Bible prophecy. Uh, That's why I bring you in, you know. Mm. And I really think some of them are just intimidated by the study. Some pastors don't believe that Bible prophecy is evangelistic. Now, for me, I don't really understand that because uh, you're talking about an evangelistic message. To understand the end times and what the speaker uh, says, it is quite evangelistic, you know what I mean? But I've had pastors cancel meetings because they thought it wasn't evangelistic enough, you know. So mm. there are a number of reasons why why these pastors don't. Also, you know, we've had situations where you've had date setters, you know, people who claim to date the rapture, and when those events didn't happen, you know, the prophecy message, you know, took a beating, you know. So some of the pastors, they try to stray away from anything dealing with end times, and they really shouldn't do that. I mean, Bible prophecy is part of the Scripture, as a matter of fact, God closed the, the channel of scripture with a prophetic book, the book
1: of Revelation. We're joined by Evangelist Donald Perkins. His website is According to Prophecy. That's according the number two prophecy.org. And you can reach us at one 800 652 1144 or visit us online at swrc.com. And specifically, we're going to talk today about Brother Perkins' wonderful DVD resource, An Hour-Long Discussion of Bible Prophecy, God's Order of Events. Uh, We were blessed to be able to feature a portion of this in one of our recent Prophecy in the News magazines. And Brother Perkins, you have a wonderful chart that explains the end times order of events and helps the viewer to be able to see and keep track of where you're going. Uh, Where are we today on God's timeline? Where is the church today in God's timeline?
2: Dealing with prophecy, where are we? We're in what's called the dispensation of the church age. It's a separate time in God's prophetic dealing. It's in between the cross of Christ and the great tribulation. God dropped the church, the body of Christ, right in the midst of that prophecy, and we're there. Now, what's going to remove the church age? will be the event known as the rapture of the church. Now, another question I get all the time is this. Well, where are we, the church, in the book of Revelation? Well, we're in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Chapter 2 and 3 is where Jesus sent those letters to the churches through John, and he told John, John, write the things that are, meaning the present tense, present tense. So where John was at that time was in the present time, we are still in that time now. It started also with the Book of Acts. This is when the church actually was birth, or this particular time. But again, we are no further in prophecy. You know, and I tell people all the time: be very careful. You know, as you listen to certain programs on YouTube or different things, where people try to put the church in the tribulation now, or or they try to put us in the millennial kingdom now. You know, you can't do that. I mean, the church age is a separate time, a separate dispensation that will close at the time of the rapture of the church. So we are there. One thing I do like about the Bible prophecy timeline is that it gives you a clear perspective of where we are and where we are headed. You know, There are certain events in Scripture that are literally hard-coded in Scripture. These events must happen before certain things can happen. The church must be raptured before the second coming of Christ because the second coming is a different event from the rapture. The Battle of Armageddon can't happen as long as the church is here. Why? Because the Battle of Armageddon is an event that would take place after the second coming of Christ, which is at the end of the Great Tribulation. See, so the the Bible prophecy chart and timeline, it puts Bible prophecy in a clear perspective. I call it a map of the future based on the Word of God, you know. So it gives you a clear perspective of where we are, and then it keeps it in order, When I first started studying Bible prophecy 40-plus years ago, I mixed up the rapture and the second coming. Uh, At the time, when I was studying, I didn't realize that these were two distinct events. But after years of study, I realized based on the scripture that these are two distinct events in prophecy. And when you see that they are different, it puts it in proper perspective, and then it gives you a whole clear understanding of where we are and where we're headed.
1: And what helped you to see the difference between the rapture and the second coming?
2: What helped me was the Word of God. First of all, looking at the rapture in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, I saw that this was a different event from the second coming. At the time of the rapture, the Bible says that we're going to meet Jesus in the air. At the time of the rapture, Jesus, he won't touch planet Earth. Now, what's different about that in the second coming, he's coming back and he will come all the way to the Mount of Olives. The Bible says his feet will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. This is Zechariah chapter 14. So when Christ comes back, he's going to literally touch planet Earth. So as I began to look at both of these events, I saw the differences between the two. At the rapture, the Bible said we'll be caught up to be with him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But at the second coming, Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 15 or 16, we are literally coming back with him. At the second coming, Jesus will ride a white horse, and the saints that are coming with him will ride the white horses as well. Now, at the rapture, the Bible does not mention anything about us riding horses. At that time, we're going to literally be caught up to be with him. So scripture really dictates that these are two distinct events. Both events will accomplish different things in God's prophetic program. At the rapture, then he's coming to take up his church, but at the second coming, he's coming back to deliver national Israel. He's coming back to dethrone the Antichrist. He's coming back to shut down the government of Antichrist. And then, as a result of the second coming, it will cause the event called the Battle of Armageddon. So, looking at scripture showed me that these were two different events and they would accomplish different things in God's prophetic program.
1: So, you've mentioned the next thing to happen is the rapture of the church. Is anything required to be fulfilled in Bible prophecy before the rapture of the church can occur?
2: No, the rapture is an imminent event, meaning that it's an event that can take place at any time. There are no signs for the rapture. There are no signs of the times for the rapture. As a matter of fact, uh, in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, when Jesus was asked the question by his disciples, what shall be the sign of thy coming, and what shall be the sign of the end of the world, Jesus began to give them the indicators that we know of today as the signs of the times. Wars and rumors of wars, famine, earthquakes, all these different indicators. But these indicators pointed to the literal return of Christ to planet Earth as he comes to deliver the nation of Israel. So all of the signs, even though we're in the church age now, we are seeing signs of the times that point to the second coming of Christ and not the rapture, because there are no signs for the rapture. But this tells me this, though. If we are in the church age now and we are seeing shadows or signs of events that are pointing to the Lord's coming in the second coming, it lets us know that the rapture is even closer. To me, it puts an urgency in our hearts in the body of Christ to reach the harvest because we're seeing signs that are pointing to his his physical return at the end of uh, Great Tribulation.
1: We're visiting with Evangelist Donald Perkins, and we're discussing his wonderful DVD, Bible Prophecy, God's Order of Events. You can pick up a copy of that on our website, swrc.com, or by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. And Brother Perkins, for those that may not be ready for the rapture at this moment, how can we be ready for that moment? How do we know that well, we can be saved?
2: The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. You know, salvation is so easy. I mean, Jesus did the work for us. All we need to do is surrender our life and accept him as our Lord and Savior. We need to believe on his death, burial, and resurrection. That's it. I mean, you don't need to, nothing you need to do as far as physically. I mean, you don't need to get on your knees and And crawl on glass and, you know, you don't need to pay, you know, uh, big offerings, you know. I mean, a lot of people, they do a lot of good things, thinking that these are good things that's going to grant them salvation. Salvation is a free gift that is given to us by us identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The Bible says, those that believe on Him shall have life. So salvation is easy. You know, people have made it so hard and so complicated. There's one thing I do like about Christianity, it's a biblical teaching that is not a, not about your works. It's not a works lest any man should should boast. You know, most of the cult groups out out there, all of them, they have something for you to do in order to be saved. You know, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta do this or you gotta be that. You know, it's all about works in Christianity. It's all about what Christ did. You know, God knew that mankind could not keep the law, therefore He sent Jesus Christ our Savior to deliver us. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ took our sins at Calvary, and then when we identify with him and we we receive him as our Savior, he gives us his righteousness, and he takes away the sin. So salvation is so easy. You don't have to work for it. You just have to receive. You receive the gift of salvation. And I have a weekly TV program that airs on his channel. I close my program every week with that statement, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. If you call upon Jesus, he will save you. he gives you eternal life. So salvation is easy. Once you come into a saving knowledge of Christ, God will begin to mature you. He'll begin to cause you to grow in Christ. Then he'll show you a beautiful, excellent future that he has in store, you know, for those that are born again and redeemed.
0: We'll have more from Donald Perkins on Prophecy in Heaven next time. Today, we have an outstanding collection of Donald Perkins' teaching. Five DVDs that cover False Christ in the Last Days, Israel and Bible Prophecy, Heaven, the Reality of Hell, and God's Order of Events. Evangelist Perkins gives insight that will help you to be on the alert in these times. He'll give documented evidence to prove that we are truly living in the end times. From encouragement to warning, these DVDs will be a wonderful addition to your library. Order the Donald Perkins Collection today. Call 1-800-652-1144. Larry Stamm, author of Jewish Roots of Christianity and Serving in His Court, joins the program now to help you and I share the good news of the gospel with confidence and without fear.
3: Shalom, friends. Larry Stam here. So glad you are joining us as we continue our study, Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. We, in previous lessons, have been talking about the gospel message, the most important message in the world. In this lesson, we are going to talk about some positive implications of the gospel and some painful implications of the gospel. First of all, I want to talk about some positive implications of the gospel. First of all, Jesus saves us from judgment and saves us to eternal life. So Jesus saves us from judgment and saves us to eternal life. In John 5:24 the word of God says most assuredly I say unto you he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death unto life also when we trust in Christ we are forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God and all God's people out there listening say hallelujah Also, when you and I trust in Christ, we will experience and are experiencing abundant and eternal life. Also, another positive implication of the gospel is that when we trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. And as such, we are able to both experience and express the fruit of the Spirit, found in Galatians 5.22. We are able to experience and express the fruit of the Spirit, namely, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We could speak much more about the hope we have in Christ all of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, we could examine and explore Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14, which is actually a run-on sentence if you get your Bible. In English translations, there may be a period or two there, but actually in the Koine Greek originally, Paul wrote one sentence in Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14 about our spiritual blessings in Christ. So those are some positive implications of the gospel. How about some painful implications of the gospel? Now, there are painful implications of the gospel, interestingly, both for the believer and the unbeliever. Did you get that? There are painful implications of the gospel, both for the believer and the unbeliever, interestingly. Now, for the believer in Jesus Christ, the only painful implications of the gospel are in the temporal, here on our earthly plane there will be some painful implications of trusting in Christ and following the Lord. We're going to be rejected because of our faith. We may be persecuted. Remember, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Remember, all painful implications of trusting in Christ and following the Lord are all temporal. Okay, it's very important to remember. And I've experienced persecution in my family. I've experienced rejection for believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that my father disowned me in 1992 in part because of my faith in Jesus Christ and the fact I continue to reach out to him and his mother, my grandmother, with the gospel message. But I tell people this regarding the painful implications of the gospel. I say, I follow the truth regardless of the consequences. I follow the truth regardless of the consequences because the consequences, any negative consequence of following Christ and trusting in him, are only temporal. And the reality is the consequence of rejecting the truth is eternal and immeasurably worse than following the truth. Did you get that? The consequence of rejecting the truth is eternally painful and immeasurably worse than following the truth. So we need to understand there may be a cost associated with following Jesus, but it's only in the here and now. And the reality is, as disciples of Jesus Christ, if we want to fully identify with him, then we are called at times to identify with him in his suffering. He told his disciples, a servant is not greater than his master. The world hated me. The world will hate you can tell you a story. I told you a story of my father disowning me in 1992. I was a relatively young Christian, but I was having a phone testimony. I was witnessing to a young man named Jeff. He was living in Philadelphia. I was living in New York City. I was a missionary to my Jewish people. Somehow we connected by phone. He wanted to know about Messianic prophecy, and I was sharing Messianic prophecy with him. And I, after about it was probably the second or third phone visit, I said, Jeff, this is no game. This is real. I said, you tell me you're getting married soon. All your family are Jewish people. I said, if you come to a point where the God of Israel actually reveals to you Jesus is the Messiah, that the Messianic prophecy I'm sharing with you rings true, what are you going to do? I told him, I said, because if you if you really believe it, you're going to be responsible for the truth that God reveals to you. And I said, if you trust in Christ, if you trust in Jesus as Messiah, you could lose everything. You have to count the cost. I said, I follow the truth regardless of the consequence. I shared the story of my dad. Perhaps I read him Matthew 10, 34 through 36. I don't remember, but I'll read it to you. Jesus said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace But a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter in law against her mother in law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. So, yes, friends, there may be temporal pain associated with following Jesus, but certainly it contrasts sharply with the eternal pain of rejecting him and being eternally separated from him in hell. So again, that exemplifies the principle that we talked about when we talked about the gospel message what it's not. It's not necessarily a bed of roses. And we must present the whole gospel to people, that the gospel is good news based upon bad news. And we also must share with people that there may be and there is a cost associated with following Jesus Christ. But any of those costs are only in the temporal. They're only in the here and now. Because remember in glory, He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Hallelujah. Friends, I hope this has been an encouragement to you as we briefly touched upon some positive and painful implications of the gospel. Next time, we're going to talk about the servant's task, about what we are called to do in stewarding the gospel and sharing it with others. Until next time, friends, the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Shalom.
0: Today, we're featuring an outstanding collection of Donald Perkins' teaching. Five DVDs that cover False Christ in the Last Days, Israel and Bible Prophecy, Heaven, the Reality of Hell, and God's Order of Events. From encouragement to warning, these DVDs will be a wonderful addition to your library. Order the Donald Perkins collection today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Donald Perkins is back tomorrow continuing his series looking at Bible prophecy and heaven. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit
2: supportswrc.com.